everyone. Welcome to the Where Your Feet Take You podcast. I'm Kayla Bowker, professional triathlete, mom to two little boys, and coach at Where Your Feet Take You Triathlon and Mental Performance Coaching. Here with the ever amazing co-host, Aaron Oliphant, who is an elite age group triathlete and also a coach at Where Your Feet Take You. We are coming to you about every week, talking triathlon, answering your questions, going over topics, sharing our love and passion for the sport. And yeah, that's about all we do here. We kind of sometimes we ramble, sometimes we talk about things that are really awesome, and you never know what you're going to get. Um, we are going to dive right in here this week uh, after catching up and seeing how everybody's doing. Aaron, how are you feeling? Better. Good. Better. Good. Good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, feeling like myself for the most part again. So started a inhaler that's definitely helping and um getting back into training and just in time to go on vacation go skiing (laughs) it's okay it's all right i think we talked about it i think we talked about that last time it's not the end of the world like if you hadn't been training and you were like eight weeks out then we maybe would be having a different conversation but we're still 14 weeks out. We got plenty of time. Yeah. You'll be fine. That's good. So, yeah. Um, awesome. Well, glad to hear that you're feeling better. You look mm-hmm. better. Good. Nobody <laughs> else can see you, but your face looks like it has more color. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My eyes don't look dead. No, they don't. They look like they have a little more life in them today. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing? Doing good. Doing good. I, let's see, finished up. One of my bigger training weeks last week in a long time. Um, and then I have a huge one on tap for this week. I think I hit, or if I do it all appropriately, I should be at about 25 hours, which is my biggest. I can't remember if I hit 26 one time, but one of my bigger training weeks. But it's just been so different this time around. I think I, I keep saying it, but I just feel so much better. And it's so nice to finally feel so much better. Like last year, so this is my, I'm going into my third 20 plus hour week for, you know, for January, now that we restarted training. And last year, I could not do that. I, it was just, it would just, I'd implode. Like I would get sick or I wouldn't be able to do sessions or I'd be so tired that I'd have to take a nap, like long naps and just was feeling horrible. And this, you know, I'm going on number three and I'm tired. I can tell that the last two weeks have been over 20 hours. Um, and you know, so I know that may seem that's kind of, you know, low ish for a lot of professionals who spend most of their time at 24 plus hours, like 24 is kind of their average, like an 18 to 20 hour week is low key, low for lower for a lot of professionals. But with my life, 25, 26 is kind of max I can handle and still be have enough energy to be mom which and mom and coach and those are things that I have to do and want to do so um yeah that's kind of where we're at for the week but it's exciting um and you're still growing like the fact that mm -hmm. you haven't been able to handle that in the past but now you're at 24 and you're feeling good and you've learned how to treat your body right to be able to handle that I think that's really important and I don't think it does much good to compare 
what you're doing to what others are doing because that's not what you should be doing. You should be doing whatever feels right to you. Exactly. You nailed it. And, you know, a lot of others, they have different lives than I do. And I don't, you don't actually know what they're doing behind the scenes and, you know, all those pieces. Um, But yesterday, so I had basically all week last week, Skylar had been asking to go for a bike ride while I went for a run. Every, like, mostly because he didn't want to go to school. That was the main reason. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But he... So we've been asking all week. I, I kept saying, okay, Sunday, Skylar. Sunday, I, we can go for – while I do my run, you can go for a bike ride. And But it was it was raining out. So I just kind of figured he wouldn't want to. So I was getting ready to go do my run off the bike yesterday, and he wanted to come so bad. So he came, even though it was raining. He ran the whole way. He, we did 4.5-ish miles. So um, it was just, I had just like easy base miles off the bike and then some strides and he did all of it and he hung in there. He did just fine. Where I live, you either go downhill or you go uphill. There is no flat. It's really obnoxious, actually. (laughs) Very obnoxious. Most of the time while I'm running, I'm complaining in my head that there's nothing flat. Um, So he kind of struggles a little bit on the uphill, but I really think that's because his bike is just, it's just a fixed gear, right? Has no, has no gearing. And so he struggles a little bit on the uphill. We had to stop once to get some water, but he did so good and he had so much fun and I had fun. Awesome. It was awesome. He really is your like individual sport person. Like, yes, he loves all like the biking and the golf. And yes, yes, 100%. And he's so funny. So one more story about Skyler and then we'll get into questions. But um, he... Yesterday, we had a really emotional morning, very emotional, and kind of got himself into trouble. We had to take away his golf clubs at one point because he was, yeah, that's how you know he was really naughty. And I was getting ready to do my ride on the trainer. Again, it was raining, like why he wanted to go outside, but he wanted to go outside. And he just wanted to ride his bike so bad. And so I finally was like, fine, just it's raining and I'm getting on my bike. So as long as you stay close in the driveway, you can ride yours. And he got on his bike. He did one little loop. He has this little loop that he does in our kind of out of our driveway into the neighbor's driveway and, and up the berm over the rocks and back in. And he gets done with one loop and he comes to me and he kind of has a smile on his face. He goes, mom, mommy, I feel so much better now. I I just needed to get outside and ride my bike. (laughs) (laughs) This kid is four. He's four. (laughs) He really learns from his parents. Oh, yeah. So he just, and then later in the day, because we spend a lot of time inside, he goes, Mom, I'm not meant for indoors. (laughs) Oh, yeah, buddy. (laughs) What are you meant for? Outdoors. Okay. He really is like such a smart, mature kid who like oh my acts goodness. so much older than he actually is. So much older. The things he says just kind of blows our minds. It's <laughs> really funny. I'm not meant for indoors. Okay, buddy. Oh. <laughs> funny kid. Um, awesome. Okay. Well, we have some topics that we're going to cover today. And the first one is um, with... As obviously with the beginning of the year, a lot of people are doing race planning. And one of the things that sometimes I see um, slash I um, 
well, I've seen a lot, is people starting to wonder, wonder when they can jump into a 70.3 if they are newer to the sport. So what are our thoughts on going from either complete beginner, barely done any triathlon, to kind of jumping into a 70.3? I thought this was a great one because we both kind of have different experiences in this type of situation. Yeah. Because that's what um, you do, basically. I mean... Want to help support the podcast? Now you can by joining the Where If You Take You community via Patreon. In the community, you'll get early access to guest episodes and three to four mini episodes throughout the month, along with more. It is an ever-evolving community in which we hope to bring more triathlon news, more triathlon support, and just community in general while we continue to share our passion and love for the sport that we all participate in. Your support goes a long ways to help supporting the podcast and for us to be able to bring you more content and continue to share our passion and love for the support. You can head over to thewherefeettakeyou.com and find the link on that website, or you can check the show notes. Again, your support goes a long ways to helping support the podcast. I know I've said support a lot here, but that's the way that it goes. And I want to thank you ahead of time for being a loyal listener and loyal subscriber to the podcast. Okay, back to the show. I think it depends on what your goals for the 70.3 are. Yeah. Like, I think it depends on your goals and I think it depends on your background in endurance, like sports or sports in general. Um, I think if you've been like, say like an artist your whole life and have like, yeah. haven't had any experience in like physical activity, I think it's going to take a little longer than if you like ran cross country in high school. Yeah. Um, but Good with point. that being said, like, if your goal's just to finish it, I don't know. Like, I don't – and you start training January 1st, like, I feel confident I could get someone ready by Oceanside. Yeah. Like, yep. I just – Especially if they're dedicated to it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I think that's the key word. Yeah, I agree. I've had – you know, I kind of did the traditional route ish in that I started with a Olympic and then I did I did a couple of Olympics and then I jumped into the 70.3 and then I went to Ironman. Um but I've also had athletes, I mean yourself included, where they just jump into 70.3 or Ironman. Like I had one athlete, Krista from Spokane, who called me we did it would a consult in 2018 or 19 um for in February and she said, Well I've I signed up for Ironman Arizona. And I was like, okay, awesome. Like, I love it. February, you know, November, we got lots of time, you know, to tell me a little bit about your background. And she goes, well, I've never swam in my life and I don't own a bike. Okay. <laughs> well, we still got lots of time. What are we, <laughs> where are we yeah. working with? But guess what? <laughs> we got her to the finish line because all she wanted to do at the time was finish it. Now she later went on to have other goals. Um, but she was dedicated. She took the time, right? She gave herself basically a whole year almost to train for it. And, you know, it, it worked out fine. So yeah, I agree. I think it kind of depends on what your goals are. You know, the, the traditional route of going, you know, Olympic to 70, you know, sprint Olympics, going up in distance really is a kind of about building resilience and then also just getting used to the concept of what you're doing. Cause triathlon is funky. You do three different sports in it. Yeah. And I think like sprint and Olympic is a lot of fun. Yeah, like, they can be. Especially I, if you're new. 
So, like, if your goal is just to, like, be active and go out there and have fun, I think sprint and Olympics, great. Um, For me, when I started triathlon, I just wanted to do an Ironman. Like, I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. Yeah. And that's what I wanted to do. But I figured I should do a half first. So I signed up for a half. And then when I signed up for the half, I was like, eh, maybe an Olympic would be good to train. So I signed up for an Olympic after I signed up for the half. Um, but did the <laughs> Olympic half and then did the full because that's like what I wanted to do. And then, I mean, I had a very big gut feeling that I was going to want to continue to do triathlon, um, yeah. which is why I bought the bike I did at the time because like I didn't want to buy like a $2,000 bike and then like, decide a year later i needed a better bike I, and i mean that's I what i did kind of did that yeah and because my mom is a triathlete as well she yeah, went through know. that process and is now on her third bike um because yeah. she went the road bike with the clip-on aero bars and then got like a like mid-level triathlon bike and now is at a high-end triathlon bike and she said, we're just going to start you with the mid-level one. There's no way that this is going to be your last triathlon you ever do. Yeah. <laughs> she was right. And she, she was knows right. her daughter well. <laughs> well, and again, I think that really goes to, like, knowing you as the athlete, too, right? Like, for example, you knew yourself. You came from a competitive swimming background. You came from a competitive endurance background. You kind of have this – your mom's into triathlon, right? So I think there's a lot of pieces that you kind of have to look at and kind of go from there. I don't know that I necessarily recommend to people like just jumping into doing a full Ironman. Like even yeah. <laughs> using Krista as an example, we did have her do an Olympic distance race beforehand just to get used to this concept of swim, bike, run, doing the transitions because um, we, we had the time. So like I don't necessarily know that I would recommend like if you are someone who is signed up for Ironman Arizona and it's, you know, January 22nd, whatever today is. And not doing any other triathlon in between then and just training. Like, yes, you, you can finish. You'll do fine. You'll, you'll get there. But it is good to experience the concept of triathlon because it is a funky thing. It's not the same as just swimming, just biking, just running. Um, there's a lot of pieces that go into it. Your nutrition, what, what gear to have, how to set up your transitions. How to start, how to do the morning routine. There's so many pieces that go into it. Yeah. I do think, though, a half is very different than a full in a yes. way. Like, you can, I think you have a little more time to play with because the mm -hmm. cutoff's just half of a full. And mm -hmm. if you're doing half the distance, that's more time in a way. <laughs> um, yeah. But I also think, like, it's just less on the body. You don't have to have the same training schedule as you do for a full. Like, you don't need to carve out five to six hours of your Saturdays yeah. to go ride your bike. Um, mm -hmm. So I think it's more doable. And if you don't really have interest in Olympic, and I don't blame people for that. Like, it's the pe no. people who, like, want that, like, big scary goal. And Olympic's yes. not. I mean, to some it's super scary, but to others it's just like I want bigger. Like I want mm -hmm. to do that half seventy point three distance. Um, yeah, I think it's okay if that's your first one. You just got to talk nutrition a little bit beforehand. Yes, <laughs> and hire a coach. For goodness sakes, yeah. people, hire a coach. Don't try to do it on your own or with a blanket cookie cutter plan off the internet. They're not the same. 
Hire a coach. Yeah. Coaches make a huge difference. They'll make it easier if you're going from zero to 60. Yeah. Because life happens. Yes. Like, you get sick. You have vacation. You get stressed and don't have time for workouts. And if you just have, like, a blanket plan, like, it's kind of hard to know how to make those adjustments, even if you are a coach. Yeah. Like, I need Kayla today to go in and put a new swim workout in for me because I just don't want to come up with a workout for myself because I won't do it. Yeah. Same. I'm the same way. I I don't I don't want to coach myself. It's exhausting. It takes a lot of thought yeah. and effort and I don't have the energy to do that. And and I want one, I want somebody else to do it. I want someone else to ha- like have that accountability to also bounce ideas off of back and forth and to know that somebody's like paying attention to it and thinking for me. I just want to execute. Right? And I like to do it for other people. I like to coach other people. Yeah. For sure. I don't like to coach myself. It was one of the biggest things that because mostly on top of that, when I was coach I did coach myself. I coached myself through my first Ironman. Um where I, I qualified for Kona at my first Ironman. And then I coached myself halfway through that, that build into Kona. And I finally was like, I, I, have, I need somebody else to do this for me. Like I was constantly second guessing myself. I was redoing it. I wasn't, I was changing things on the whim. I was driving Brandon nuts being like, should I go swim today? Should I ride my bike today? Yeah. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know anything about triathlon. <laughs> And then I got a coach and it just became so much easier Um, because then I just had to focus on me Yeah. instead of the I got my bike, my first bike in January of, no, February of 2021, end of January, February of 2021. And I immediately signed up for Cactus Man, which is an Olympic distance triathlon in Arizona in April. And I was going, I was trying to train myself through that and then ended up going skiing and tore my meniscus and had to have knee surgery. Um, <laughs> That'll do it. But they signed up, then signed up for Arizona 70.3 in October, had that knee surgery in April, like a day before Cactus Man. Um, and then started to train for Arizona 70.3 on my own. And I think that lasted two weeks of me calling my mom every day, asking her what I should be doing. And she's like, I'm connecting you with Kayla. You're not yeah. doing it this way anymore. <laughs> Your mom's like, I can't handle this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So, yeah, I think, you know, moral of the story is do what excites you, but also understand what it is that you're getting yourself into yeah and if you don't ask for help and ask for help anyways for sure um awesome okay next question here is when you're really tired so as i know we're right we're all really tired whether we got life work etc do you use pre-workout to help you get through your (laughs) sessions i thought this was a good one um for a couple of reasons. Well, we both have different uh, abilities to metabolize the caffeine. You handle caffeine very differently than I do. I, um, uh, I've, I've, I've started to grow more of a tolerance to it. I've been wondering <laughs> because I have often. noticed you've been drinking more, like either drinking more coffee or energy, you know. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's kind of a bummer. But <laughs> kind of what happens when you like get Need a, it to get a real job and then you start training and like all these things. Like, <laughs> um. Anyway, pre-workout. I have never used like the pre-workout powder that you'll see like gym yeah. rats using. Um. I will, like, if I know I have, if I woke up before nine, which is most days, but, um, and, like, no, I have a lot on my plate. I always have, like, caffeine throughout the day. I always try and have it by 1 p.m. Um, but I will treat myself to some caffeine just to get through my day and know that I'm not going to fall asleep before my workouts. Yeah. I so one I stay away from pre-workout powders that again a lot of gym rats use because they're not controlled um and you never know what's in them and and in my opinion you know obviously as a professional I have to be very conscientious about that but I think that even age groupers and amateurs should be as well just to for integrity of the sport you know and for not like not putting nasty crap into your body um so I don't use those, but um, I definitely use caffeine, um, coffee, um, energy drinks that are a little bit more natural-ish, and uh, gels with caffeine, and my drink mix has caffeine. <laughs> my body metabolizes caffeine really, really well, really quickly. Um, I can't handle like large amounts of it. So like Brandon can drink like three cups of coffee back to back. That would make me sick. Like I'd have a headache. <laughs> I my stomach would hurt. I wouldn't be able to think. Like my heart would be racing. Um, but so I can't I can't do that kind of stuff. And I can only drink like one cup of coffee, maybe two a day, but they have to be really separated. Um, and I don't like coffee in the afternoon. So I usually do a coffee in the morning. Um, and then if I'm feeling really, really tired in the afternoon, which I usually need to pick me up for my like second or third session of the day, I will do an energy drink or I will do a caffeinated gel to like get me going, but no actual pre-workout. Especially if you're doing your workouts in the evening, like I would avoid caffeine. Like I know you might be more tired if you're doing your workouts at the end of the day and have even less like motivation to get that workout done, but it's going to affect your sleep the later you have it and that's not worth it. No. Yeah. If you're doing, if you're someone who has to do workouts at like 7 PM, which a lot of people do potentially. I I mean I could easily see needing caffeine like I would need I I don't think I could honestly but yeah you're just gonna you won't go to sleep you'll have a hard time sleeping which is just it, you know important if you can fall asleep it probably won't be the same quality sleep um so like plan ahead and I guess that's what I do because I do some of my workouts later in the day at, not at like seven but I'll do them at like five thirty frequently um. And in that case, like, I just, I know I have that workout, so I'll have my caffeine at, like, noon, 1 p.m. Um, just yeah. to have it through my system, because I always forget if the ca- half-life of caffeine's four or eight hours. 
but it will still be in your system. Yeah, I'm not sure either. It also depends on you. Um, yeah. Because that's something I learned when I did that DNA testing back in last year, is that my DNA or my genetics mean that I metabolize caffeine very quickly, which is why I can do a lot of caffeine while I'm training and racing. It's like Mm -hmm. my drink mixes have 50 milligrams of caffeine and I can take caffeinated gels and I don't get jittery. And in fact, it helps. I can do a quick boost. It doesn't mess with my stomach and I don't, I'm not like super affected by it after. So I think I told you guys all the story about Montremblant when I couldn't sleep until like one and I did a recalculation of how how much caffeine I had and it was like 1200 milligrams or some like ridiculous number. (laughs) Okay. I don't, I try really hard not to do that anymore because that's way too much caffeine. (laughs) Didn't realize that my gels had 100 milligrams of caffeine, which I think a cup of coffee is like 160, depending on the type of coffee that you get. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, awesome. Okay. So this was, um, a topic that I heard on that trash on life and the whole time they're talking about it. I don't know why it was driving me nuts, but it was driving me nuts. We had someone who asked a question about wearing contacts while swimming and whether they should or they shouldn't and the risk of eye infections and all these things. So I want to talk about it because it drove me nuts for some reason. And I want to, one, for myself, I am a contact wearer. I have um, very horrible vision. I have had it since the third grade. I've been wearing corrective stuff since third grade. Um, I define Coke bottle lenses. That's what I wear. Um, and on top of that, I, I've had a lot of, lot of issues. Like I have astigmatism in both eyes. I had keratoconus, which is like the thinning of your eye. Um, so I was not a, um, not a candidate for laser surgery because of the intensity of my astigmatism and the keratoconus suspicion that I had. Anyways, long story short, I've been wearing contacts forever. Um, and I have never had an issue. And so in my opinion, you need to be able to see. So wear the contacts. But I also wear dailies. And so maybe that's a big thing. Like I'm not risking like any um, germs or yuckiness from the pool to get into them. Um, But again, I grew up swimming in the Columbia River, which is disgusting. I mean, swimming my whole, not swimming to the extent of like competitive swimming my whole life, but I have been swimming my whole life, skiing, wearing contacts. And never, I've had more of an issue like with my ears. Have you heard of anybody having issues growing up swimming? with wearing contacts no yeah I think so. yeah i i, I yeah no but, but i don't have much more to contribute than yeah. that because i unlike you losers have great vision i know <laughs> just I kidding have very very bad vision <laughs> yeah and i haven't even like i think the biggest piece is that you know in triathlon you know, there's potential for your to get your your contacts to come out to fall out. Um, you know, you get knocked across the head while you're swimming, or they get water. You know, so you know if that is the case, like 
have an extra pair in each of your transition bags so that you have the ability to kind of make those changes. Um, I don't remember exactly what the whole question was when I was listening to it, but it was along the lines of like, should she be wearing contacts while swimming? And my whole piece was I've been wearing contacts my entire life and I've never had a single issue. Now I spend a lot of money and get dailies because of the way my eyes are. Um, But I really think that even wearing ones where you take them out every two weeks, you're going to have more of an issue, in my opinion, taking them in and out from daily life of not washing your hands than swimming, personally. Yeah. And I I think, I mean, if you're really against contacts, too, you can get prescription goggles and then prescription sunglasses. Yeah. They usually at triathlons have a table right when you exit the water and you can switch from your prescription Mm -hmm. goggles to your prescription sunglasses and just wear your sunglasses on the bike. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah. So that was just a question that when I was listening to it, I just kept being like, you're not going, your your eyes are going to be fine. Your ears are probably going to get more of an infection than your eyes. That's my process. Um, Okay, next question um, is in regards to staying disciplined. So what helps us to stay dedicated and disciplined when we don't want to go do something specifically? Obviously, we're talking triathlon here, but in reality, I mean, everything in life requires dedication and discipline. But what helps us stay dedicated and disciplined when maybe, again, we're tired? We don't want to. We've had a busy day. We don't want to go swim. Because it's raining outside. I, I don't want to let myself down. And I think that's like what gets me out the door when I don't want to, but I know I should. Um, is that like if I cross the finish line and I don't achieve whatever goal I set for that race, if I know I did what I could to reach that goal, I'm fine. Like it's, yeah, I'll be a little sad about it. But ultimately, it's like I did everything I could. I pushed myself. Like we'll readjust and get after it again next time. Whereas if I like missed a bunch of workouts here and there because I just didn't want didn't to and didn't feel like doing it, like I'll be so upset at myself for like putting myself in that position to fail. Because um, yeah. I think that's when you actually do fail. Like, I think if you did everything you could and you don't achieve your goal, you're not a, like, you didn't fail. You got after it. You gained something through that workout. But if you didn't do the things that you needed to do to get to that goal, then like, yeah, you kind of did fail. Like, yeah. you let yourself down. Um, and I think that's where my discipline comes from is that like, to me, that's like one of the worst feelings in the world. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, and it's, and that's a combo. I like that because it's, that's taking even outside of your goal a little bit. Cause we kind of talked about this last time when we talked about goals, how sometimes goals can not, they can be hard where they don't necessarily keep you disciplined always. Cause right, motivation is usually what gets you to figure out the goal that you're looking for. But sometimes that may not even be exactly what it is that you're wanting to achieve. And, you know, you, you're looking at more of you. Like, what do you want necessarily yeah. than, hey, I want to achieve, like, what's this outcome goal that I'm trying to achieve? But you're looking at yourself through that and saying, 
this is who I am and I don't want to be disappointed. Like I, I committed to this and I don't want to be disappointed to the overall outcome. So what does that mean for me? Um, yeah. And I mean, it does go back to my goal. Like, how do I want to feel at the finish line of a race? Yeah. And a feeling I always want to feel is proud. Um, and I can feel proud and not re- reach my time goal or not reach my finish place goal. But it's going to be very hard for me to feel proud of myself. If, if you didn't I, give it everything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think that's another piece too, is like, you're allowed to feel two different things, right? You're allowed to not reach, be disappointed that you didn't reach your goal, but proud of yourself for never giving up. Like we've had, we both have had conversations about that because we both experienced that a lot last year, uh, where we didn't quite reach the overall maybe goals that we were achieving, but we still really never gave up and pushed through, you know, Coeur d'Alene is a good example for you. Yeah. You were disappointed in Coeur d'Alene. Yeah, you were disappointed in Coeur d'Alene, but when you really sit down and looked at it, there was a lot of good that came from it, and you were proud of yourself for never, like, you crossed the finish line doing exactly what you set out to do, which was to give it everything you had. Yeah, I mean, I was screaming on a paddleboard because I was in so much pain within the first hour of the race. Yeah. My quad and my cap hurt so much. Um, and I still found a way to exercise for 10 hours after that right. and yeah. push myself as hard <laughs> as I could. And you wouldn't have been able to do that if you, you know, I hadn't been dedicated to the process. Um, and I think, you know, so for me, I am very similar. Like it's kind of one of those where I set a goal or I set something and I'm not even a goal, like, cause you know, what keeps me really disciplined right now is the excitement the curiosity sometimes like looking at it from a different angle too Mm -hmm. is being curious about, Hey, if I don't give up on myself, what can I achieve? And you know, that's something like this year. I think one of the reasons that I'm actually, one of the reasons I'm doing better in training even is I've let go of kind of all that pressure to perform. And I'm trying really hard to just focus on being excited about, Hey, how good, what can I, what can I achieve? And trying to get curious about if I, if I stay, if I dedicate to this, if I do it, if I, if I do the work, if I, you know, show up every single day and just try, then what will that achieve? And it's amazing how you can surprise yourself. Like last week I had had a really, really hard bike ride on the trainer. And then I had a hard run off the bike and I was so tired, so tired. I did not want to go swim 4k, like did not want to, it sounded miserable to me. And I procrastinated, procrastinated, and I finally just got out the door with my energy drink because it was the only way I was going to do it. Um, but I just told myself, I'm going to go try. I'm going to be curious about what's going to happen. I'm going to try, and I'm going to ease into it, and I'm going to allow my body to kind of do it. And two, two, two things that came out of this is that, one, I got there because I said, no, I, I'm dedicated to becoming a better swimmer. and skipping this swim is not going to help me become a better swimmer. And two, if I just try and it goes horrible, then I can stop and it's okay. But at least I tried. Like you said, I didn't, I gave, I gave it something. Um, and I'm having an amazing swim because I got in there and I tried. And that was me being curious about what could happen and not, you know, where I was, how I was feeling. 
So I love the thought process of being dedicated as just being curious about what you can achieve and looking at it kind of from that angle versus, oh, I'm just exactly how I'm feeling in the present, Um, which is counterintuitive because we always talk about wanting to stay present, but yeah. And every now and then it's okay to give in and give yourself the grace to give in. But mm-hmm. that should be like maybe a once a month thing if that's happening every week. Um, you got to look yeah. at yourself hard and be like, did I really need to miss that workout again? Like, and yeah. be honest with yourself about it. Yeah. And you know what? If there's co- things you can do to help yourself. Stay, you know, I always talk about actions, like putting little actions into place to make it easier to stay dedicated. So, you know, if you are somebody who has to get up early to do her session, their sessions, maybe that means every night before you, you get everything ready. So literally all you have to do is roll out of bed and do it. Um, you know, or if you, same thing, if you have to do them in the evening after work, have it all ready so that the second you get home, you can just go do it and you don't have to give yourself that space in between. Um, you know, so coming up with actions that make it easier for you really helps to stay dedicated too. because mental, you can always think about mental performance or discipline is also embodied in the habits that we put into place. And I think that's the other piece too, is that once you kind of, the more you do it, right. The more you stay dedicated and never like kind of just keep doing it, the more it becomes a habit. And then next thing you know, it just become it does become easier to kind of just do it no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, for example, you, when you have to do your sessions, if you know you have to do your sessions afterwards, is there anything you do to make it easier to get them done after work? Yeah, get my caffeine at noon. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but like, that's yes. my routine. It's like if I spent the money on caffeine. Like, I got to do my session. I invested money into that session, so I got to do it. That is actually – I love that you said that because that's actually something, like, for me, I don't like to have caffeine in the afternoons. Like, I don't like to have an energy drink or, or like, a caffeinated gel. Like, if I have that, then I know that I have to go do my session because I need to utilize that caffeine. I don't want it just sitting in my system. I want to burn it off. And so that is (laughs) – Oh, I drank my energy drink. Okay, I I have to do this because I need to utilize that. That I yeah. just otherwise it's going to sit in my system and I'm not going to sleep, or I'm I'm going to feel yucky because I'm just not going to be relaxed during TV time. Exactly, I'll just be sitting there buzzing. My capillaries <laughs> will be like blood rushing through them super fast. <laughs> That's what I imagine. Yeah, I know that's very weird and strange, but that's that's <laughs> kind of what I imagine. Um, yeah. Oh, this is a complete tangent, but it's a good topic. Um, I was listening to a podcast with the UTMB ultra winner. Um, blanking on her name. Um, I starts with a C, but she did the triple. She did the triple. She did like the three hundred milers in three months or some ridiculous thing like that (laughs) um yes and she talked a lot about visualization and she really had this really awesome analogy about the pain cave 
right? Where we all get to that space of where we're deep, like we, some people call it the hurt locker or the pain cave or, you know, whatever, um, deep and in, deep into that space. And it kind of got me thinking, because what she was talking about, she was saying how she used to fear the pain cave, right? She used to fear it. Like if I've gone to that space, then I've gone too far or I'm not, I can't be here or my day is over, right? The pain cave was a scary place to be and I wanted to avoid it. But then, and, but she often found that that would then derail her day. If she got to that point, right, then she was giving in to fear. And then she changed kind of that visualization around about it to like getting excited about the pain cave, kind of getting excited to, she calls, she calls it, I forget what she, she calls it the cave that she like chisels away at or something. She's like, okay, we're entering this cave. Time to hammer and nails, like chisel away and see where I can go with it. Um, and she says that really changed kind of her thought process on kind of reaching that point of like, right? We, we've all been there in an Ironman or 7.3 or whatever it is that we're doing. Where we're so deep in it that like we can't even see. Um, and I was just, I thought that was just a really cool analogy to kind of fear it. So what do you think when you get to that point? Are you so, do you feel like you're someone who fears it or do you try to embrace it and chisel your way through it? I just love it. <laughs> yeah. See, I kind of do too. My like whole life I've loved that feeling. Um, I guess. And I mean, that's, I that's why I, I love think, Iron Man. The distance why, yeah. Iron Man. Why I've done individual sports is like, I think it's fun to find how hard you can push your body. And I mean, that's yeah. ended on me hooked up to oxygen a couple of times. Uh, but <laughs> I think it's still fun. Yeah. I haven't stopped. There's some feelings, though, like I don't like. And I guess I would relate that to some people's pain cave. Like when I was swimming, I hated underwaters. Um it just that like that feeling of not being able mm -hmm. to breathe freaked me out, which is funny because I can push myself to that limit if my head's above water, but for some reason underwater completely freaked me out. Mm -hmm. And like there I just had to I don't know. I never figured that one out. <laughs> yeah. So when you get to that space, so like so say in an Ironman, you're at mile like eighteen of the the marathon, right? That's when most people I you know like you can get so deep into that like hurt locker and you've got like eight miles to go. What, what are you picturing? What are you seeing? What do you like move? How do you move through it and just embrace it? 18. I'm usually like mentally can figure that one out. Um, because at that point it's like I have an hour and a half at most of racing left. Yeah. Um, so if my body can go, like, got to the point at Kona in 2022 where, like, I walked a lot of that at that point because I overdid the first 13 yeah. miles a bit too much. Um, but usually, like, at that point, I'm like, okay, you're almost there. Like, after this, you can eat, you can sit down, you can take off your shoes, 
Like, it would yeah. be the best feeling in the world. I usually really struggle about, like, mile eight, where it hurts. <laughs> like, where I'm like, oh, my God, I still have so much of this marathon left. I'm not even halfway. And then I really have to start taking it, like, chunk by chunk of the race. Mm-hmm. Like, I love looped courses, actually, because that gives me, like, the mental Chunks. opportunity mm-hmm. to, like, take it section by ch- section as you said like chisel way at it mm-hmm. um but even if i don't have that like i break the course into sections and like oh like for iron man texas like i just have to get to hippie hollow and then i'll be right? re-energized yeah. because that just gives you so much energy out there i just like get to the next aid station and you can walk for 30 seconds to get all your nutrition down um yeah. or like Okay, just get to that half marathon point. Like, once you get to the half marathon point, like, we can take, like, a 30-second walk. Like, mm-hmm. myself little rewards. Because I'm not at the point. I should be at the point. I'm getting to the point where I don't need little walk breaks in there. But I'm still there right now. I'd, I'd argue that everybody needs them. I mean, you look at some yeah. of the top pros in the world, and they sometimes, they still take walk breaks in the middles of their things in order to recalibrate sometimes. Yeah. You know? So sometimes you need that mental reset. Yeah. Something to look forward to. And then you learn it doesn't really feel that much better to walk. Your feet still hurt. Sometimes it's worse. (laughs) (laughs) Because everything starts to really tighten up. (laughs) Yeah. You get out of rhythm. Yes. Yeah. No, I agree. I I just I just thought that was such a cool analogy to like embrace it and instead of fearing it because i think people a lot of people do fear i don't want to get to that space because i won't know what to do and and you it or it means that my day's over because i've gone too far or whatever but if you do if you kind of look at it as like again going back to that curiosity standpoint of okay what what could what can be on the other end like if i enter this cave i enter this hurt the hurt locker and i just kind of pick away at it and I chisel away and I come out the other end. What am I going to learn? Who am I going to be? Because you're going to change in that process. Um, and I for me, that's always something and something I really embrace. Like that's why I got into triathlon. I, I was going through a time in my life and I needed like the space to, I needed something that was going to push me to like the brink. And my thought was triathlon. That's why I got into it. Like chasing for me, I've always been someone who chased that pain cave. Yeah, um, I I always love chasing my potential, and I think that's why I love the pain cave. What I will say about it, and where I start to mentally struggle, is when there's like expectations from someone else put on it. Mm-hmm. On like, let's say I had like five by four minutes at kind of like vo2 max and i see in training peaks that i'm supposed to be doing that at like 280 watts or something like i'm gonna mentally freak out about that because it's something that's scary it's like i don't know if i can do that much like Mm -hmm. probably can't um maybe i could i don't know but like i the fear of like letting Kayla down which I know she wouldn't be let down but that's like oh my god I don't know if I can do this if I can't do this am I gonna be able to reach my goal like am I even worthy of trying to have a goal and I get really in my head about it 
Whereas if it just said yeah. like five by four minutes, it's like threshold, like just get after it, see what you can do. I'd be like, or like if it's a five by four minutes, best average, I'd be mm-hmm. fine. Like no cares yeah. in the world. Like I'd love just seeing what I can hold. But when there's like a number set on it, I get a little in my head. That is where you're letting the session dictate how you're feeling rather rather than you dictating how you're going to feel in the session. So like yeah. for me, I don't look I don't look at those numbers in training peaks. Like ever. Um and for like for example, in that session, I write in the description, I don't write technically write what your stuff needs to be. I just say VO2 max or I say threshold. So Take that and focus there and then let the Zwift do its thing or Wahoo or whatever do its random thing. But one of the key pieces is learning how to let yourself dictate the session. So if you know that it's a VO2 max session, you get excited about, you know, doing, hey, what can I, how can I, how, how, how long can I hold over a threshold? Because that's what, you know, VO2 max is and not letting oh 280 i don't that's a big number that's scary that's you letting the session dictate you know how you want to feel rather you choose how do i want to feel at the session like what do i want to accomplish and when you learn to let yourself dictate the session then you learn to let go of those kind of expectations a little bit more Um, and like it's weird because like i i just made that session up on the spot that's not something i've done but it's something i was like that kind of sounds fun as long as there's no well, numbers in there. <laughs> a couple weeks ago, I did have you do a VO2 max session. It was yeah. like it was like three by four minutes or something like that. It, it was like I three by five, saying, but yeah. I actually like felt really good and strong mm-hmm. on it, and I could have gone even higher. Like I kind of just stuck with whatever it was, but I was like, "Oh, that surprised me." Like yep. I thought I'd be way too out of shape to do that right now. <laughs> no, but you in that space where. That's a good example of where you kind of were a little bit uncertain whether you could hold the watts, but you allowed yourself the space to be curious to see what it could do. Yeah. And you did it. Yeah. And those and VO2 max sessions are hard. I don't care who you are. they not fun. <laughs> and these one of my least favorite sessions. I always feel like I'm going to die. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather do that than like when I see like, Long multiple hours at like slightly above iron man pace i'm like oh yes those oh. are so hard like tempo oh. pace like i know i can do it i just don't want to 30 minutes at tempo pace which is kind of like iron manny like it's like that right around high zone two low zone three ish range those are i struggle those are so hard they're so yeah, long because it's right like, at like an effort that really is pretty hard but you technically yeah. really can hold it for a really long time. And it's just yeah. like, oh my God, this is so hard. It's just like that mental, like, I don't want to. Like, I know I can. I just don't want to. I don't yeah. want to stay focused for that long. For that long. I know. I know. That's peace. I try really <laughs> hard in those sessions not to look at the clock and yeah. to, like, really just focus on what I'm doing. And then only only allow myself – I try to only allow myself to look every once in a while. and. Or really hard to only focus on like ten minute increments at a time, um, yeah. But yeah, those are hard. And sometimes you have to break them up. Like for example, I had a seven mile tempo this weekend in running, 
and I could not do it. I broke it into seven by one mile at tempo because I mentally could not handle a seven mile tempo pace. It just wasn't going to happen. So sometimes you do, sometimes you have to break it up and it's just the way that it is. So awesome. Well, those were kind of our questions for the week. Topics, questions, et cetera. Um, You guys can send us questions uh, on the website at worryfeettakeyou.com slash podcast uh, or on Instagram as well. And you can also help support the podcast uh, at the Where If You Take You community uh, via Patreon. That is can be found on the website or in the show notes. Um, and yeah, and then we'll be back next week. Aaron's going skiing Woo! for the week. And I'll be here doing doing my thing. I'll be training. occasionally getting my thing in. I've been trying to. I haven't figured it out yet. I did find out where the gym is. Just don't know how, like, like yeah. five days of skiing's a lot. I feel like it's yeah, fine it if I go on a 45-minute run. So I think it's totally fine. In those situations, I always tell athletes, and I think I even put, I, don't, I put, like, some loose stuff in there for you. But really the key is, one, you're going to be moving all day long for the most yeah. part. And on top of that, if you feel like you need to get something in, just, 30 minutes, 30 to 40 minutes of some form of dedicated movement, whether that's lifting, going for an extra walk, like running, bike, it doesn't matter in reality. Like 30 minutes of some dedicated movement and all you're doing is kind of keeping muscle recruitment going. You're keeping mobility going. You're, you know, that's where you'll be fine. I wish we were staying at a hotel because hotels do make it pretty easy just to go and hop on the treadmill yeah. for like 30 minutes where it's like I'm going to have to drive to the gym and yeah. buy a gym membership for the day. and Or I could suck it up and run in like 10 degree weather, but I don't think the roads are going to be the best. I think it's basically I-70 out there and that's it. So Yeah. No, I think it'll be okay. So We'll see. Awesome. I don't know. I've had a good couple days. It's fun to like look at my training peaks chart right now because it was like 20 minutes, 20 minutes, 20 minutes because I was sick. And then like it's this nice curve upwards for me to like starting to feel better and being able to do more, which like. Yeah. It's always kind of fun to look at. That is fun to look at. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Also. Awesome. Alrighty. Well, I'm going to go swim, even though it's dark and dreary out and doesn't make, doesn't give you a lot of oomph to want to go swimming. No, but it doesn't. I'm going to get to work and here we send go. emails. Awesome. <laughs> All right, everybody. We'll chat with you next week. Bye, guys. <laughs>